0: And welcome. This is Melissa Giles, Director of Portfolio Management with Americana Partners. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'll be reviewing the June market commentary provided by David M. Darce, Chief Investment Officer with Americana Partners. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. The first section I'll be covering is called Where We Are, Please note that any charts or graphics referenced are available by request through our website. Let's begin. Successful navigation of the financial realm, particularly in the rapidly changing circumstances encountered thus far in 2022, may in good measure be advanced when keen perception and sympathetic realism can be marshaled to enhance investment judgment, such precepts, of close observation and careful awareness, have been imaginatively captured by American author and 1962 Nobel Literature laureate John Steinbeck, 1902-1968. In early June, the world of leaf and blade and flowers explodes, and every sunset is different. And this June would appear to offer an ample mix of opportunity and hazard, especially after the following developments in May. 1. After their large 57 basis point yield advance in April, 10-year U.S. Treasury yields eased downward by four basis points in May to 2.85%. 2. The DXY U.S. dollar index versus the six major currencies declined a meaningful negative 1.4%. 3. The VIX Equity Volatility Index declined from an elevated 33.40 on April 29 to a still lofty 26.32 on May 31, with 8 of the 21 trading days in the month registering closing volatility readings above 30. 4. As investors reacted to Federal Reserve monetary policy tightening, supply chain disruptions due to the pandemic in China, and the conflict in Ukraine, and profit warnings and economic results that fell short of expectations, in the middle two-thirds of the month, the S&P 500 came close to bear market territory, defined as a drop of negative 20% or more from a recent high. Before a late-month rally left the index essentially unchanged for May, And with a gain of positive 3.0% on May 4 and a loss of negative 4.0% on May 18, the S&P 500 experienced its largest one-day gain and largest one-day drop in two years. 5. The technology-heavy Nasdaq Composite fell 2.1% and has only managed to generate a gain in one month of the year, positive 3.4% in March and 6. In descending order, the May price performance of the 11 S&P 500 industry sectors was energy, positive 15.0%. Financials, positive 2.6%. Healthcare, positive 1.3%. Industrials, negative 0.8%. Materials, negative 1.0%. Information technology, negative 1.0%, communication services, negative 1.8%, utilities, negative 3.8%, consumer staples, negative 4.7%, consumer discretionary, negative 4.9%, and real estate, negative 5.1%. As investors enter the sixth month of 2022, over the 94 years from 1928 to 2021 inclusive, the month of June, with its historical positive 0.8% price gain for the S&P 500, ranks tied for fifth with November, among the best price-performing months among the 12 months and more than nine decades of monthly performance ranking. It is worth repeating that these nine decade results are averages, with a given month's outcome definitely having the potential to vary above or below the long-term average. Interestingly, the essentially unchanged price performance for the S&P 500 in May 2022, 0.0%, closely approximates May's long-term average price change of a minuscule negative 0.1%. After a volatile trading month in May, the S&P 500 finished essentially even, 4,132.95 on May 31st, versus 4,131.93 on April 29th following a negative 5.3% decline in January, a fall of negative 3.1% in February, and positive 3.6% advance in March, and a negative 8.8% decline in April. The Nasdaq Composite, registered a negative 2.1% decline in May after contracting negative 13.3% in April, rising positive 3.4% in March, declining negative 3.4% in February, and falling negative 9.0% in January. After declining negative 9.7% in January, the Russell 2000 Index of Small and Mid-Cap Companies rose positive 1.0% in February, increased positive 1.1% in March, declined 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 negative 10.0% in April and in May closed virtually unchanged at 1,864.04 versus 1,864.10 on April 29th. Over the course of May, West Texas intermediate crude oil prices rose positive 9.5% from $104.69 per barrel on April 29 to $114.67 per barrel on May 31. The global oil demand side continues to reflect signs of China's COVID 19 lockdowns easing, slowing momentum in the global economy, fuel shortages, currently low levels of inventories and spare capacity limited to a few countries, and precautionary buying. While on the supply side, one, the Russia-Ukraine conflict continues to create significant demand and supply disruptions. Two, several nations, especially the U.S., and including certain allies, have launched the release of crude oil from their respective strategic petroleum reserves. Three, Iran continues with the nuclear talks begun on November 29th, which could in theory increase the supply of Iranian oil officially entering global oil markets if economic sanctions on Iran are relaxed. Four, facing pressure from investors to moderate growth and address their admissions, and Admit concerns about increasing regulations in climate change, large U.S. and European oil companies have continued to spend sparingly to boost production, even as certain major oil companies have halted and or completely exited their Russian activity. Five, consolidating U.S. shale producers have exercised financial probity, have not excessively increased output in reaction to higher crude prices, have followed production discipline and exerted capital spending restraint, and six, Following the 29th OPEC and non-OPEC ministerial meeting on Thursday, June 2nd, the group, which includes Saudi Arabia, Russia, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Iraq, and other countries, agreed to raise the rate of monthly output increases at an agreed pace of 648,000 barrels per day in July and August of this year. With Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates likely to account for most of the supply increases, the 30th OPEC Plus ministerial meeting is scheduled for Thursday. June 30th. During May, the US dollar declined -1.4% versus the DXY index comprised of six major currencies: the euro, Japanese yen, British pound, Canadian dollar, Swiss franc, and Swedish krona. On May 31st, the DXY index closed at 101.75, positive 6.0% versus its level of 95.97 on December 31st, 2021. Despite somewhat diminished competition from lower short-term interest rates over the course of the past month, the daily spot gold price, as logged by USA Gold, closed at $1,842.70 per troy ounce on May 31st, down negative 3.5% during May and up positive 0.7% from its close of $1,829.05 per troy ounce on December 31st, 2021. Now let's discuss May month-end closing yield levels for two-year, 10-year, and 30-year US Treasuries. For two-year US Treasury securities, after rising 45 basis points in January, 26 basis points in February, 84 basis points in March, and 42 basis points in April. Yields declined 17 basis points in May to 2.53% at month end, where they are up 180 basis points, since their closing level of 0.73% on December 31, 2021. Financial market participants have begun to consider a moderate-yet- Sustained pace of policy interest rate increases in 2022, with two-year U.S. Treasury yields rising in four of the first five months of this year, even as they have simultaneously reflected concerns that removing monetary accommodation too quickly might work to slow economic growth, with 10-year U.S. Treasury yields and 30-year U.S. Treasury yields rising at a considerably less rapid rate. For 10-year U.S. Treasury securities, after rising 27 basis points in January, rising 4 basis points in February, rising 49 basis points in March, and rising 57 basis points in April, yields declined 4 basis points in May and closed at 2.85 percent at the end of May, where they are up 133 basis points since their closing level of 1.52 percent on December 31, 2021. For 30-year U.S. Treasury securities, after increasing 21 basis points in January, rising 6 basis points in February, rising 27 basis points in March, rising 52 basis points in April, and rising 11 basis points in May, yields reached 3.07% at the end of the month, where they are up 117 basis points since their closing level of 1.90% on December 31, 2021. Now let's discuss several of the key factors we consider likely to exert meaningful influence on financial asset prices. Factors likely to exert significant influence on financial asset prices employment levels, the economic health of the consumer, and the 2022 outlook for GDP growth and inflation. The first week of June brought a fairly decent employment report for May, released Friday, June 3rd, which featured, one, a gain of positive 390,000 jobs, with the prior two months revised downward by negative 22,000 jobs Two, a labor force participation rate of 62.3%, compared to 62.2% in April and 62.4% in March, with the influential 25 to 54-year-old age group experiencing a rise in its participation rate to 82.6% from 82.4% in April and close to the 83.0% reached in February. 2020. Three, a third consecutive monthly unemployment rate of 3.6% with an underemployment rate U6 of 7.1% versus 7.0% in April. Four, an average hourly earnings increase of positive 0.3% month over month positive 5.2% year-over-year, the seventh month of the previous eight months, with a year-over-year increase exceeding positive 5.0%, and five, average jobs growth of positive 374,000 for three months, positive 480,000 for six months, and positive 521,000 for 12 months. In recent weeks, financial market participants have actually begun to interpret softer economic news in a somewhat positive light, since it may imply that the Federal Reserve might pause and or moderate the pace of its monetary policy tightening. Conversely, financial market participants have periodically of late exhibited a tendency to treat signs of economic strength unsympathetically, because the Fed might thus have to adopt more restrictive monetary measures to bring inflation under control, increasing the risks of tipping the economy into recession, while the employment situation appears solid, signs of slowing have begun to appear. For instance, on Thursday, June 2nd, the S&P 500 index rallied positive 1.8 percent and the Nasdaq Composite climbed positive 2.7 percent, following a report earlier that day by automatic data processing that private sector payrolls had increased by only positive 128,000 in May, the lowest monthly gain of the pandemic-era recovery, and with small businesses absorbing the biggest jobs declined during the month, as companies with fewer than 50 employees reduced payrolls by negative 91,000 workers. Amidst this backdrop of slowing employment growth, on June 1st, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, warned of a coming economic hurricane, citing the Federal Reserve's balance sheet tightening and the impact of the Ukraine war on commodity prices. And on June 2nd, Goldman Sachs Chief Operating Officer John Waldron characterized the current economic picture as a among, if not the most complex, dynamic environment I've ever seen in my career. The confluence of the number of shocks to the system, to me, is unprecedented. Concerns about inflation and economic growth have been reflected in surveys of consumer psychology. The path of the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index, representing the results of a survey of 3,000 households across all nine U.S. Census regions, and considered to be largely influenced by jobs market conditions, As a perceived softening in the labor market weighed on the outlook, the Consumer Confidence Index fell in May to 106.4 from 108.6 in April, while marking its lowest level since February 2021. An even steeper decline is reflected in the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index, based on a national survey of 500 households and considered to be largely influenced by household spending issues such as the price of gasoline and other purchases, in May, this index fell 10.4% to 58.4 versus 65.2 in April. Tracking the daily national average gasoline price for regular unleaded gasoline as surveyed by the AAA Motor Club, this series reaching an all-time high of $4.45 per gallon on May. 13th, a level since substantially exceeded, reaching a new record of $4.71 per gallon on June 2nd. The frequent visibility and pocketbook effect of gasoline prices on disposable income is one of the reasons that this series carries such influence on consumers' inflation expectations, as well as for many households its impact on spending for other essentials. Higher levels of inflation tend to put downward pressure on household consumption, the most significant component of U.S. GDP, and upward pressure on interest rates, through higher levels of inflation in the general price index. In mid-May, Consensus forecast of economists surveyed by Bloomberg for U.S. GDP growth in 2022 has declined significantly to positive 2.7% from just below positive 4.0% in January, and the mid-May consensus forecast of Bloomberg economists for the 2022 full-year headline consumer price index has risen significantly to positive 7.0% from positive 3.4% in January. The next several months are likely to challenge investors' ability to differentiate between a healthy economic slowdown and a more serious contraction, even as the authorities are challenged to significantly reduce inflation without unduly impairing the real economy and inflicting serious damage on asset prices. Also complicating matters is the difficult-to-predict influence of factors associated with the Russia-Ukraine conflict and business-slowing anti-COVID restrictions in China. Our current view incorporates some degree of slowdown in U.S. GDP growth in the second half of 2022. Over the same time frame, we envision some modest lessening in the inflation rate, perhaps drifting downward to a high plateau somewhere in the positive 3.0% to 5.0% range in 2023 as monetary tightening, reduced government stimulus, inventory drawdowns, squeezed corporate profit margins, and elevated rates of inflation exert a weakening effect on spending outlays by consumers and businesses. Now let's discuss the housing sector. The combined contribution of the housing sector to U.S. GDP averages between 15 to 18 percent and manifests through two principal channels, one, residential investment, averaging roughly three to five percent of GDP, which includes construction of new single family and multifamily structures, residential remodeling, production of manufactured homes, and residential real estate brokers' fees, and two, consumption spending on housing services averaging roughly twelve to thirteen percent of GDP, which includes gross rents and utilities paid by renters, as well as owners imputed rents and utility payments. According to the Federal Reserve wealth data, as of third quarter 2021, at $34 trillion, residential property represents approximately 23% of U.S. households' assets. Residential real estate price changes does have a significant influence on households' wealth perceptions and spending inclinations. In March, home price growth rose to a record as robust home buying demand outstripped the limited supply of homes for sale. The S&P CoreLogic, case Schiller. National Home Price Index, which tracks average home prices in major metropolitan areas across the country, rose to positive positive 20.6 percent year over year. The highest annual rate of price growth since the index began in 1987. In examining 50 years of 30-year fixed-rate mortgage interest rates as of June 3, a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage carried an even higher interest rate, 5.43%, the highest rate since 2009, and up 220 basis points versus 3.23% at the end of December 2021. Higher home prices and higher mortgage interest rates have led to a deterioration in the National Association of Realtors' Housing Affordability Index, HAI. An HAI reading above 100 signifies that a family earning the median U.S. income has more than enough income to qualify for a mortgage loan on a median-priced home, assuming a 20% down payment and a qualifying ratio of 25%. For example, A composite HAI of 120 means a family earning the median family income has 120% of the income necessary to qualify for a conventional loan covering 80% of a median-priced existing single-family home. As of now, over the coming months, we expect a perceptible softening in the housing sector, in new and existing home sales, in construction activity, And in decelerating house price growth, housing represents 16% of the headline personal consumption expenditures PCE price index and 18% of the core excluding food and energy PCE index. The so-called shelter component of the consumer price index CPI includes one rental costs two, the consumption value of owner-occupied housing, and three, other forms of lodging such as hotels. Since shelter makes up nearly 33% of the basket for CPI inflation and 40% of the basket for core, excluding food and energy, CPI, even small changes in rent and home prices can, in principle, have noticeable effects on overall inflation. In our opinion, a slowdown in the housing sector if it comes to pass should contribute to an easing in inflation readings. The mid-May consensus forecast of Bloomberg economists for headline CPI is positive 7.0% for the 2022 calendar year as a whole. Now let's discuss inflation and monetary policy. Expanding on the inflation discussed in last month's commentary, the forces causing an increase in reported inflation rates have been 1. Increased demand, driven by the aggressive monetary and fiscal policy stimulus applied during the pandemic years of 2020 and 2021. 2. Meaningful supply constraints resulting from component shortages, shipment delays, and logistics issues. 3. Low unemployment, creating wage pressures, and adding to consumer purchasing power. 4 significantly upward-trending house prices and rents, Five supply disruptions associated with the Russia-Ukraine conflict as well as with COVID-related interruptions and delays in the U.S., China, and other countries. 6. At least in the early stages for many goods and services, heightened year-over-year base effects created by comparisons versus the depressed prices prevailing during the height of the COVID pandemic. 7. The degree to which price increases and inflationary psychology have become more permanently entrenched in private sector thinking and behavior. And 8. The growth rate of the quantity and the turnover velocity of the money supply. The year-over-year percentage growth rate in the core excluding Food and Energy Consumer Price Index tends to follow changes in the ISM Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index. While by no means a perfect predictor of changes in core CPI inflation rates, to us it appears to indicate that the Federal Reserve's measures to cool off the economy, a 25 basis point increase in the target funds rate on March 16th and a 15 basis point increase on May 4th, the latter representing the largest single meeting increase since 2000, may be beginning to have an effect. The Federal Reserve's efforts to rein in liquidity appear to be causing consumers to more carefully manage their spending budgets and commercial businesses to exercise restraint in allocating funds for staffing and expansion. Additional monetary policy tightening measures have been implemented with the official commencement on June 1st of quantitative tightening, balance sheet reduction in the Federal Reserve's 9 trillion securities portfolio, with scheduled reductions of $17.5 billion per month in mortgage securities and $30.0 billion per month in U.S. Treasury securities for June, July, and August, followed by a doubling in these monthly targeted amounts commencing on September 1st. To a portfolio reduction rate of 35 billion per month in mortgage securities and 60 billion per month in U.S. Treasury holdings. Further, on June 2nd, Federal Reserve Vice Chair Lael Brainard who has been described in the financial press as somewhat of a dub when it comes to supporting financial markets with liquidity, stated that to her, it seems difficult to see the case for a pause in policy interest rate increases, saying we've still got a lot of work to do to get inflation down to our 2% target, perhaps implying that a cessation in the central bank's inflation fighting strategy is unlikely after the market anticipated one-half percentage point hikes following the next two FOMC meetings. On June 14, 15, and July 26 through the 27th, as there is no FOMC meeting in August, the next opportunity to implement a fourth monetary policy interest rate rise, if GDP and price level data call for such a move, would come at the September 20, 21st meeting. Now let's discuss recessions. Considerable debate exists about the definition, timing, and duration of a recession in the U.S. economy. According to the National Bureau of Economic Research, NBER, a recession can be defined as a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and that lasts more than a few months. Conventional descriptions of a recession have maintained that a recession occurs when the GDP growth rate is negative for two consecutive quarters or more with the NBER's more comprehensive definition, including a drop in the following five economic indicators. One, real gross domestic product. Two, income. Three, employment. Four, manufacturing. And five, retail sales. In a May 2022 survey conducted by Deutsche Bank Research, as to when the next U.S. recession will occur, 13% of the respondents predicted in 2022, 65% predicted in 2023, and 15% in 2024. For the 12 U.S. recessions depicted, the S&P 500 has experienced an average negative 29% decline from peak to trough around a recession, with a range of negative 15 to negative 57%, followed by an average positive 40% gain one year later from the trough, with a range of negative 14% to positive 75%, and an average positive 54% gain two years later from the trough with a range of positive positive 5 percent to positive 99 percent. To our way of thinking, these disparate results around the averages highlight the essential uniqueness of each recessionary episode and underscore the need for careful analysis of each recession's distinctive characteristics as to causes, policy responses, and outcomes. For now, our view is that a recession, while not inevitable, is possible late this year, though not likely. A growth slowdown appears in the cards to take place in the latter half of this year, with increased chances of recession taking place in calendar 2023. Economic, political, and geopolitical uncertainty, as well as continued volatility in stock prices, bond yields, currency exchange rates, and energy quotes are likely to persist. In the second half of this year, financial market participants will be closely monitoring corporate earnings reports and inflation data, as well as policy actions by the Federal Reserve, China's ongoing management of the COVID-19 crisis, and developments associated with the Russia-Ukraine conflict in Eastern Europe. At this time, we counsel caution, prudent risk assumption, and a focus on moving up the quality spectrum within portfolios, continuing our balanced group preference within equities for one-third growth, one-third value, and one-third defensive, with a security emphasis on balance sheet strength and high-quality dividend-paying equities. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning. Portfolio positioning strategies. Following the S&P 500's well above average total return performance of positive 31.5% in 2019, positive 18.4% in 2020, and positive 28.7% in 2021, and in the current environment of 1. Monetary Policy Abridgment Via interest rate increases and quantitative tightening, two, slowing yet still above average economic expansion, and three, elevated inflation. We believe that careful thought, planning, and attention need to be devoted to the investor's most appropriate forms and vehicles for implementing the fundamental elements of asset allocation and investment strategy, which include one, diversification. While it does not by any means guarantee a profit or insure against a loss, diversification means including low and negatively correlated investment exposures that truly counterbalance price movements in other assets, particularly during times of significant financial stress and or rising financial asset volatility, too. Rebalancing, which encompasses judiciously using concepts of reversion to the mean and market price dislocations to trim exposures to assets that have grown to represent too large a portion of the overall portfolio, while at the same time adding exposures to high-quality assets that have fallen out of investor favor and suffered significant, though deemed not permanent, price declines versus intrinsic value. Three, risk management, which involves recognizing when markets have become consumed by unrealistic expectations, meme securities, excessive speculation, momentum plays, story stocks, and information overload, a situation that has pertained at various times last year and earlier this year to a number of companies in certain parts of the cryptocurrency realm and the technology spectrum and understanding the degree of liquidity, true pricing realism, and the appropriate roles of short-term liquid securities, real assets, financial assets, and alternative assets during intervals of geopolitical disturbance, and especially in years or even in decades-long regimes of inflation, stagflation, deflation, monetary disruptions, and currency resets. 4. Reinvestment, which encompasses knowing when to emphasize and trade off income versus capital growth, all the while keeping in mind the critical importance of discipline, equanimity, patience, perspective, cost consciousness, tax awareness, and longevity in capturing and compounding dividend coupon rental, maturing securities, and other forms of incoming capital flows, and five, asset protection and husbandry, which encompasses considerations of current and likely future income, Wealth, and capital gains taxation at the state, local, federal, and possibly international level estate planning, relevant insurance design and structuring, cybersecurity shielding, portfolio monitoring and reporting, administrative expenses, forms, frequency, and means of asset access and asset custody. Portfolio positioning principles with roughly equal weightings to growth to value and to defensive-style rubrics, we continue to allocate a meaningful exposure to equities, leavened by judicious apportionments to short-term, high-quality, income-generating instruments, with prudent shifts between style sectors' geographies and where appropriate from a cost-timing tax, liquidity, and size standpoint, public versus public markets. Expressed are a number of themes that we believe should be taken into consideration over the next few quarters and years in selecting asset categories, asset classes, asset managers, sectors, companies, and security types. 1. Paying attention to the value of money, taking advantage of, rather than being taken advantage by, the consequences of money printing, internal and external currency debasement, government debt monetization, and the modern monetary theory approach that to some degree in the pandemic response era has at times been pursued by the authorities, within shifting money and credit cycles, to service America's massive explicit government and corporate indebtedness, and the enormous implicit obligations of pension and healthcare benefit promises two, concentrating on all weather sectors and companies, seeking investments with balance and flexibility that are able to thrive regardless of which political persuasion informs the thinking and policies of the White House, Congress, the judiciary, the state legislatures, and relevant domestic and international regulatory authorities, evolving environmental, social, and governance priorities and values, wealth distribution initiatives and public health conditions, episodes of geopolitical tension, such as have especially pertained in recent months, entente and detente, and wider socioeconomic trends. Three, distinguishing between temporary and permanent change, focusing on the commercial and financial implications of new social and political power structures, alliances, and global associations, new energy sources and resources, new trade channels, new on- and offshoring structures, new cost, logistical, supply chain, and transportation modalities, hybrid, work from home and work from anywhere, employment methods, and new business models, pathways, digitalizations, and forms of person-to-person and business-to-business work, leisure, learning, and wellness activity. 4. Taking advantage of demographic tailwinds through U.S. and select non-U.S. companies, recognizing current economic and financial challenges, facing several emerging markets, and using significant asset price and valuation discontinuities, shifts in currency exchange rates, and shifts in consumer and business preferences to gain exposure to and benefit from the rising needs, aspirations, and appropriate spending power of the expanding global middle class. 5. Comprehending and Verifying Past Success. Emphasizing companies and sectors that have demonstrated successful track records and past experience in competitive preeminence, abundant free cash flow generation, capital allocation skill, balance sheet strength, risk management, sustainably defendable business models, and the ability to maintain high multi-year returns on equity, derived from revenue growth and favorable margin preservation, rather than through disproportionately high levels of leverage, meaningfully above the companies and sectors weighted average cost of capital, and six, identifying innovative and disruptive technology hegemons, selectively and with acumen and understanding, focusing on technology enablers, disruptors, and dominators in such fields as diagnostics, biotechnology, and therapeutics based on CRISPR, weight management and well-being, public health, medical nutrition, regenerative medicine, artificial intelligence, data analytics, machine learning, 5G cellular network technology, the Internet of Things, infrastructure, robotics, retraining, quantum computing, battery inventions, alternative energy, virtual reality and augmented reality devices, hypersonic aviation, electric vehicles, and cybersecurity, while not least also taking account of the environmental, social, and governance risks, aspirations, and initiatives of companies in these and other fields. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning tactics. Portfolio Positioning Tactics 1. Keeping Things in Perspective Many of the overarching themes and conditions that influence our intermediate and long-term asset allocation and investment strategy emphasize the need to recognize that the concepts and implementation methods intended to achieve safety, balance, purchasing power protection, diversification and liquidity are likely to face evolving and sometimes rapidly shifting taxation regimes, regulatory emphases, social priorities, Geopolitical power relationships, price level changes, demographic trends, indebtedness levels, technological penetration and usages, financial structures, currency systems, and importantly, perceptions of the definition role degree of physicality, embodiment, and value of money itself to flexibility versus conviction in formulating investment thinking in seeking to determine when to adhere to and when to lean against prevailing consensus views. Such views may be sometimes pejoratively referred to as groupthink. It is important to critically question the soundness and durability of the reasoning and assumptions underlying a given investment framework and positioning at any point in time, while it at intervals may not make sense to hold out of consensus views, often expressed as fighting the tape, at other times, especially at major cyclical or secular turning points, at a significant asset top, when reality is finally found to fall short of prevailing, overly optimistic expectations or major asset bottom when reality is shown to be worth considerably more than prevailing, overly pessimistic expectations. The rewards of implementing a contrarian stance can be quite meaningful. 3. Enhancing and preserving. Even with some of the speculative fervor having materially diminished in more than a few areas of the financial realm, we still confess to a degree of unease over numerous lingering manifestations of investor exuberance. And the popularity of certain securities and sectors considered to be forever holdings. Our preference at this juncture remains to take note of the Federal Reserve's explicit policy measures to rein in inflation while taking advantage of episodes of asset price strength to continue the course of upgrading positions, offloading lower quality, higher risk assets, and with timing and price discipline, gradually adding to attractively priced, higher quality assets on equity market pullbacks. With monetary policy interest rate increases and quantitative tightening, Federal Reserve balance sheet reduction set to commence, slowing growth in China and Europe, and in view of our expectation of continued asset price volatility in the months ahead, Prudence Councils remaining aware of the narrowed market breadth. Along with a meaningful headline and below the surface deterioration in the Russell 2000, the Nasdaq Composite, and the S&P 500 indices, while formulating specific game plans to take advantage of such retrenchments as a key element determining the timing and amount of new capital commitments. Four equity emphases and de-emphases in the current conditions of the rise in U.S. Treasury interest rates. Particularly at the short end of the maturity spectrum, to us it appears likely that cash-generating, financially stable companies with robust growth prospects which are able to operate and thrive against a distinctly unsettled geopolitical backdrop and in the digital sphere as they continue to enhance their business models, deserve to retain some degree of valuation affirmation. Within Equities 1, we recommend continuing to gradually shift emphasis from growth sectors, companies, and managers towards the inclusion of select value and defensive sectors, companies, and managers, with a focus on energy industrials, select financials, materials, COVID recovery, reopening, and consumer staple sectors and a concomitant and de-emphasis on companies and sectors dependent on access to low-cost energy. Two, we continue to counsel very selectively adding small and mid-cap companies or investment managers specializing in and with good track records in this space to our primary emphasis on large capitalization enterprises. And three, for the time being, while we continue to prefer a tactical overweighting to U.S. domestic equities, with pullbacks such as those encountered in January, February, and April, viewed as an opportunity to only carefully and highly selectively add equities, particularly those sectors and companies likely to thrive in a less predictable economic environment. We also espouse holding, or gradually building, relatively defined allocations to global leaders listed in international markets. 5. Focus on strength and quality. Our long-term equity portfolio weightings continue to emphasize asset manager sectors, and specific companies that can benefit from the major identifiably sustained trends of the 2020-2030 decade, including 1. Incremental growth in a wide range of economic circumstances, 2. A focus on economic and infrastructure repair, digitalization, e-commerce, personal wellness, safety, domesticity, home improvement, and sustainable consumer demand, and 3. Advantageous capture of benefits from onshoring, supply chain redesign, and deglobalization as important drivers of capital spending and disruptive Innovation. At the company level in equities, we emphasize identifying and building long term exposure to firms possessing fortress like, cash rich balance sheets, prudence in balance sheet utilization, limited debt, consistency and durability of positive free cash flow generation, dividend strength and competitive business models with abiding competitive advantages, high barriers to entry, low threat of substitute products, and enduring pricing power vis-a-vis suppliers and or customers that over a long time frame can generate high returns on equity through revenue growth and sustainable profit margins rather than through unhealthily high levels of leverage. At the current time, we recommend that consideration be given to top quality companies in the healthcare and consumer stable sectors as well as firms exceptionally positioned to benefit from inflationary forces in the Commodities and financial sectors. 6. Balancing growth and value sectors. At its closing level of 2,393.56 on Tuesday, May 31st, the price return of the Russell 1000 Growth Index symbol RLG, and including companies in sectors such as technology, healthcare, and communication services, was, according to the Wall Street Journal, down negative 22.2% from its December 31, 2021 closing level of 3,074.99 while the price return of the Russell 1000 Value Index, symbol RLV, and including companies in sectors such as financial real estate, energy, utility, and industrial businesses, was at its closing level of 1,567.36 on Tuesday, May 31st, according to The Wall Street Journal, down negative 5.3% from its December 31, 2021 closing level of 1,655.73, this 16.9 percentage point, value minus growth returns differential, appears to argue for continuing a degree of balanced exposure in selected value sectors, companies, and managers, as well as in selected growth sectors, companies, and managers. As this process continues, it is worth keeping in mind that true value investing represents identifying and owning assets that are trading for less than they are actually worth, not assets that are merely inexpensive." Many superficially inexpensive assets may be inexpensive for a reason and can very well remain so or deteriorate further. Seven, fixed income securities. Reflecting some of their largest quarterly price declines in more than three decades, U.S. Treasury bond prices year-to-date through May 31st have declined negative 2.6% in the one-to-three-year maturity range, negative 10.2% in the seven-to-ten-year maturity range, and negative 21.3% in the above 20-year maturity range. Even though yield movements have continued to ascend in the past month, to us they appear likely to exhibit further increases over the course of the coming months. And outside the United States, according to Bloomberg in late March, A dramatically lower total of $2.7 trillion down from $18 trillion in early 2021 was outstanding in global negative yielding sovereign and some corporate debt outstanding. We continue a preference for issuers at the high quality end of the rating spectrum, in both taxable investment grade and high yield bonds and in tax exempt bonds, where we see some pockets of value on a taxable equivalent basis. We view fixed income securities as continuing to be subject to Federal Reserve policy-induced price risk due to our current expectation of higher yields as 2022 progresses, and thus we prefer maturities and durations along the short-to-intermediate portion of the yield curve spectrum. 8. U.S. Dollar Outlook After declining negative 9.9% in 2017, appreciating 4.4% in 2018, marginally gaining positive 0.4% in 2019, and declining negative 3.4% in 2020, the DXY US dollar index measured versus a basket of six major currencies, the euro, Japanese yen, Swedish krona, British pound, Canadian dollar, and Swiss franc had, as of its market close of 95.97 on December 31st, appreciated positive 6.7% in 2021. On Tuesday, May 31st, the DXY U.S. dollar index had appreciated positive 6.0% year-to-date, closing at 101.75. Over the next few quarters, given our expectations of the Federal Reserve, one, stepping up the pace of its projected policy interest rate increases, and two, commencing the process of reducing the size of its portfolio of U.S. Treasury and mortgage-backed securities, we believe the U.S. dollar may rise relative to major currencies including the euro and Japanese yen. 9. Alternative Investments and Real Assets In Alternative Investments, we continue our multi-quarter focus that has, for some time, emphasized exposure to 1. Commodities and real asset sectors of the economy, including industrial metals, agriculture, and materials, 2. Gold and or gold mining, ETFs, shares, particularly those miners with reserves in stable geographic locations, capital discipline, and cash flow growth. 3. High-quality, master-limited partnerships with strong business models and sustainable dividend-paying capacity. 4. Select investments in private credit and private real estate. 5. In opportunistic strategies that are positioned to selectively derive meaningful value from dislocations created by geopolitical developments and or potentially injurious mutations of the coronavirus, as well as the economic and profits recuperation therefrom. This concludes our June Market Commentary by David M. Darst. David is Americana Partners' chief investment officer. We are available to answer questions you may have regarding the topics discussed. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. Thank you for listening. This is Melissa Giles, Director of Portfolio Management with Americana Partners. Stay invested.